This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, this is Jimmy Evans with Marriage Today. This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. You know, there's one guy that wasn't on the lineup this year who's taught us about love and marriage really like no one else. In fact, he's he's touched our hearts in a deep way, and I'm I'm pretty sure that he's, he's touched your hearts too. Yes. And we're, of course, talking about Michael, Michael Bolton. Bolton. I think. It's just it, not right that one man could have such beautiful hair. Oh, hang hair. on. There's just one part of one song that we want oh. to share with you because it, it really speaks to this. How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? How can we start over when the fighting never ends? You know, I think we could all go home right now. I feel like there's really nothing more to be said. That's actually all we had planned. I don't know what else to do. We have 29 more minutes. So it's funny. We can laugh about Michael Bolton and the glorious mullet he rocked back in the 90s. But there is a, a profound truth, a profound truth in that simple chorus. And we're talking about sex today, by the way. Sex. Some of you guys just woke up. You're like, what? Where? Sex. sex? So, you can yes. say it. Welcome sex. back. Sex talk. It's coming. It's happening. But Mike, Michael Bolton was onto something when he said this. How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? How can we be lovers if we can't be friends? And I think that is a, a, a powerful truth that he didn't come up with, by the way. All great no. ideas about marriage originate in the Bible. That's true. Okay, Michael Bolton is a brilliant man with beautiful hair, but this is actually a biblical concept, and it comes from the book Song of Solomon. And if you have never read this book of the Bible, you are missing out because it is like the steamiest book of the Bible. And it is all about a husband and a wife sharing the passion they have for each other and chasing after each other. And there is lovemaking in the book of Song of Solomon. And one of my favorite verses is when uh, the wife refers to her husband as my lover and my friend. And I just think that's a beautiful picture of what marriage, you know, the, the balance that really needs to be in a marriage. Yeah, and, and it takes both. And what we've discovered is we've, we've studied God's word and we looked at our own relationship and we've worked with couples from all over the world is that sex and friendship are like two wings on the same bird. And your marriage cannot soar unless it has both. It takes both. And the deeper you grow in that intimacy, that friendship with each other, then also the deeper you're going to grow in in the sexual aspect of your relationship. The sexual part of your relationship, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's not just an act. God intended it to be this spiritual, this emotional, this physical connecting, this binding together as one. And we see this all the way back at the very, very beginning with God's original intent for marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, he paints this picture for us. That's right. He talks about Adam and Eve being naked and unashamed. And it's just this beautiful picture of a husband and a wife having no secrets from each other, right? And they're physically naked, so there's the sexual component there, but there's also no secrets, and there's no shame involved, and there's this beautiful friendship between each other. And, and that's still what God intends today. 
You know, that verse in Genesis chapter two that says the man and his wife were naked and without shame. And that one verse, you see both sex and friendship. You know, the physical nakedness obviously representing the, the sexual intimacy in a marriage. But also nakedness in the Bible represents transparency. It represents trust and vulnerability. It represents not wearing any masks. And they were without shame, which shows the acceptance that they had for one another. The love and the trust and the adoration. That's the friendship part. From the very beginning, this was God's design. And we're convinced that the best marriages are between best friends. That's right. And if you want to have a better marriage, invest in your friendship with your spouse. And here's the part we don't talk about enough. If you want to have a better sex life, invest in your friendship with your spouse. And in just kind of a very basic way, we want to illustrate what that looks like with this, this furniture on the, on the stage. Because the way that we see it, there are three main dynamics or postures that a marriage can be in. And the first is when both of you are sitting here together yes. on what we call the love seat. All right. And the love seat isn't just the physical love seat. Love seat represents where love lives. It's where you're connected together. It's where you're unified, where you're serving each other's needs. And uh, it's, it's the place where God wants your marriage to live. Exactly. Like right here, we, we, we are having total transparency and honesty and that vulnerability of having what we like to refer to as is a naked marriage where you are naked in every way emotionally that you're bearing all to one another and trusting each other with that knowledge of whatever it is that you're telling each other. And you're making decisions in a unified fashion, that you're, you're doing everything together. And so this is, you know, we want, as, as a marriage, God wants us to stay in this love seat. He wants us to have a love seat kind of marriage where we're doing everything together and making all of our decisions together and truly loving one another and serving one another. Yeah, and then in the, in the actual love seat, there are other things you can do too. You know, it doesn't yes. have to just happen in a bed. I'm just saying, like, there's a lot that can happen on a love seat, but there, there's, a set, there's another dynamic, and yes. that's where you both end up in these individual chairs, okay? These are, the, these are the me seats. This is where a marriage gets when both people are doing their own thing. It's not about ours anymore. It's about his and hers. You know, my time, my career, my hobbies, my pursuits, and you kind of start drifting apart. Like, if we were accurately illustrating it, when you're in the me seat, there'd be wheels on these seats and you'd be slowly drifting further away. And you might come back together in that love seat, but it's only for practical purposes for partnership. Well, we've got to come together to do things with the kids, or maybe we come together for the physical act of sex, but then we retreat back to our own seats. And sometimes you're in the same room, but you're in completely different worlds. You're on two different phones, looking at two different things, and you're just wrapped up in two different worlds. And both of you can subtly blame the other person for the reason why you're not in the love seat anymore. It's so true. And, you know, I think this is a very easy place to live in a marriage. I think so many marriages are living in the his and her seats. And, you know, they're kind of like Dave said, they, they may go to the love seat for certain things. Maybe they like go and have sex and they're in the love seat for that. But then really in every other way, emotionally, they're completely disconnected. And, and we're just missing out on really the best part of marriage. We're missing out on that beautiful connection that God wants us to have with one another. But we live in a culture that says, you know, you really can't trust anybody. You really can't, not even your spouse. You need to kind of have an exit strategy because it's not gonna work. And so we, we kind of harbor this in our hearts and it makes us miles apart and it makes us think, well, I can take care of all these things myself. You know, I might go to love seat for maybe a few things. Maybe we parent together, but I, you know, in every other way, I'm gonna stay in my seat. And there's no room. There's no room for your spouse in this seat, right? It's just you. And that's just no way to live. It's not. And then there's one other dynamic in marriage, and this one can be the most difficult and the most heartbreaking of all. And it's where one spouse is in the love seat and one spouse is in his or her own chair. There's one spouse that's saying, I I'm willing to do everything I can for my marriage. God, I'm praying for my spouse. I'm praying for my marriage. I'm 
I'm trying to serve them. I'm trying to do everything right. And yet I feel like I'm in this marriage alone. I might physically be sitting next to that person right now, but it's as if they're miles away. And that can be the most heartbreaking scenario of all. It is, because you know you might be sitting here right now and you're wondering, well, where are we? Are we in the love seat? Are we in the his and her seats? Or is one of us in the love seat and one of us in the his and her seats? And as you think about this, if you feel like you are that spouse that's in the love seat and you're reading all the marriage books, you're, you're the one who drug your spouse to this conference, okay? I just wanna tell you, and there, and there are some of you in this room, I know, I know that that's maybe where you are, but there, there is hope for you. And we're gonna yeah. kind of unpack this more in our talk today, but there is hope for you. And I'm so glad that you're here. And this is one step in the right direction. This is one step getting closer to that love seat together. And so how, how do you get back to this place in a way that helps your sex life, obviously, but enhances the intimacy in every part of your life? Because intimacy isn't just physical. It isn't just sexual. sexual. It, it connects on all levels. But Christians should have the best sex. Yes. Married Christian people God should have the it. best sex on the yes. planet. It's God good. made it. The devil doesn't own it. We act like sex is the devil's business now. We've yeah. just given it to him. We're like, it's his thing now. The devil's never created anything. All he's ever done is pervert that which has been created. That's All right. he can do is give you a cheap imitation. But the way God intended it, it is powerful and it is passionate and it is intimate. And if married Christian people aren't having the best sex on the planet, then we're doing something wrong. But there's also some things that we bring into the marriage, kind of our background, that affects how we view sex. And that can really affect, you know, how frequently we want to have sex and, and other things like that. And it has to do with really how we were raised and how we talked about sex in the home. And let me tell you, Dave and I came from very different backgrounds. We both thankfully have parents who still love each other, who are still married 40 plus years, and we're so thankful for that. But I grew up in a home where my parents literally, I think they had sex twice because they had me and my sister, okay? <laughs> Mom and dad, if you watch this, you know I'm teasing, okay? Um, but you know, I never heard any murmurings from the, the, the room next door, okay? What a creepy and, word. I know, sorry. I don't know why I said that, okay. Um, if your sex sound is murmuring, you're doing it wrong. Should not be any murmuring okay, happening. Okay, screams, yeah, all right. I never heard anything, like, okay. And maybe they were just like really good at being quiet. But, and I never like walked in on anything and I certainly never saw them showing affection. Like it was just not, they were not affectionate people. I mean, they were good partners. They're and very I, loving. They, very they love loving each people, other. not affectionate to, to each other. Well, and even the church she grew up in with good intentions. Yes. You know, like how she was kind of taught about sex in youth group, it was just the thing you do not speak of, yes. right? It was like, it is the thing just you don't, don't do it. If it. And it was always sort of talked about in sort of a, a dirty way. Now, And it was good intentions. Well, good intentions. And many of you probably can relate to this. I think it's in an effort to keep you chaste, to keep you chaste. I mean, and that's, that's really from a good, a good place. But in that effort, it just, it made me kind of terrified, I'll be honest. Yeah. So and that's kind of where I was coming and from. I grew up in an opposite environment. Yes. Mom and dad were freaks. Okay. Totally freaks. I mean, they, they're the sweetest yeah. Christian godliest people, but they were they all over each other. It was like 50 shades of middle age. I mean, they were just, it was. they were, they were all over each other. And so one of the yep. first time, and so, which, which was gross as a kid, yeah. but it actually made me excited to be married someday. I'm telling you, one of the best gifts, gifts you can give your, your children is to gross them out to the point where it grosses them out as a kid, but then makes them excited to be married someday because they secretly want the exact right, same thing. Right. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin. 
Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. And so, my, my sweet mom, sweetest woman, like picture Mother Teresa, with, but fashionable, is, is my fashionable sweet mother lady. Teresa. And she is so sweet. She really one of the is. first times they're meeting Ashley, and I'm just like, I just want to be a good impression. I just really like this girl and this stuff. And so my mom, I want you to picture this, talking about different <laughs> sexual, like just how we were raised. The picture this, this, she's raised in a home where it's not talked about. First meeting, restaurant, public place. They're sitting down. My mom's like, oh, it's so nice to meet you. You're so pretty. Oh my goodness. You're so pretty. You're so pretty. Let's sit down. Let's sit down. And then she goes, oh, my bottom. Yeah. Yeah. What's happening? <laughs> and then she said, you're probably wondering why my bottom's sore. No, we're not. No. True story. I've had counseling, PTSD. Okay. She starts telling this story that I don't want to hear, but I'm, I'm fighting the gag reflex, so I can't stop her. I'm like, uh, uh. So she said, well, before we came here, I had just gotten out of the shower. Yes. And your father, she used this word, I swear she did, was tantalizing, tantalizing. me. Yes. Tantalizing. What does that even mean? And then she said he was chasing me around the bathroom. Yep. Trying to spank me with my curling iron. She, true story. True story. Yes, that's right. And she said, and I was trying to get him to stop. I was like, Brad, stop it. Stop it. Because he didn't realize I'd had it plugged in. I was getting ready to use it. Yep. And then yep. he spanked me with it on my bare bottom. And singed. And he singed, he singed me. It. And I, so yep. I'm a little bit sore. What are you going to have for lunch? So, <laughs> that's my life. Mom and dad, I love you guys. I They're love awesome. you, I love you, I love They're you. Awesome. I oh, want to be like you when I grow up. <laughs> Hashtag curling iron, you know? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, so how do, we, how do we have the kind of sex life that, that God really wants us to have? I think it, it has to start with just saying, want to meet each other's needs. I want to read this okay. to you. The Bible gives us a roadmap as we yes. kind of come into the home stretch here of, of what, it, what it means, again, to, not, to move out of that me seat when it comes to sexuality where it's all about you and you meet in the love seat where it's all about your spouse. And the Bible paints it this way. That's right. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 3 and 4, it says, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. It's so true. It's basically, the Bible's saying, like we've talked about all week, it's about serving each other's needs. Right. It's not about saying, well, I don't need sex that much, so you shouldn't. But it's about saying, how can I serve your need? Because you're the only legitimate source on the planet where your spouse can get that need met. If your spouse is hungry, you don't have to be the one to cook them a meal. There are other places they can go for a meal. But when it comes to sex, you're the only place. They can't outsource that anywhere else. You're the only place where that need can be met. And so if you want to, to really have a sex life and a marriage, it's meeting in the love seat. I think that it comes down to this kind of one final nugget of what that looks like. One thing that you can do as husbands, one thing you can do as wives. 
That's right. The strongest marriages have a husband who continuously pursues his wife and a wife who continuously affirms her husband. And, and this is something where I think we're really good at doing this when we're dating and maybe when we're engaged and maybe in that first year of marriage, but then it kind of fizzles out the longer that we're married and we start losing that spark. But right here, it's biblical. You're supposed to maintain that spark, right? You're supposed to stoke the fire, keep it burning. Yeah. So guys, your wife wants to feel absolutely captivating. She wants right. to know that you find her captivating. And ladies, your husband wants to know that you find him capable. Yes. That you think he is the man. I mean, I'm telling you that the strongest marriages, couples that have the greatest sex life, have a man who continuously pursues his wife and romances his wife and adores his wife, builds her up, and a wife who continuously affirms her husband and shows her respect in him and her belief in him, and that's gonna help both be at their best. There's a, one verse we'll share kind of just for the guys about what this continuous pursuit looks like from the book of Proverbs. That's right, it says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always, and may you always be captivated by her love. And it's just beautiful, you know. It's, it's a beautiful uh, picture of how you share that passion for one another. Right. And, and, and when we do that, when we choose to really build the friendship in our marriage and really make sex a priority in our marriage, it's gonna be strong. And we're gonna stay in that love seat. And you know, I just wanna say this real quick too. A lot of times we get asked questions about, well, what's okay when it comes to sex and marriage? And I wanna tell you, there's a lot of leeway. There's a lot of leeway. God, God gives us a lot of leeway there as long as we're not involving anyone outside of the two of us. It's between a husband and a wife, but there's, there's a beautiful lee, you know, a creativity that God allows us there. Curling irons, for instance. Curling irons so. <laughs> are hot, yeah. So, you know, we, we gotta be able to embrace that and really be willing to serve one another's needs, just like with pleasure, like they talked about last night, just being willing to meet that need in your spouse and, and just being excited to have this beautiful sex life together and looking at it as a good thing. And one final thing we, we will share before we wrap up is, is for those of you that, that feel like, man, I want that, I want what you're describing, but I'm in one of those marriages where I'm in the love seat, my spouse is somewhere else, what do I do? And here's the final point, and that is that you're not alone in the love seat. Right. Because what we didn't tell you at the beginning is that the love seat is, is God himself. The Bible says that God is love, 1 John 4, 8, and he calls us to rest in him. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. So even when you feel like alone in your marriage in the love seat, it's Christ himself who is holding you. And so keep, keep praying, keep believing, keep trusting, but even while you're praying, even while you're trying to pursue your spouse, even, even while you're feeling that burden of loneliness, Rest in the arms of Jesus, knowing that he is with you in that yes. and that you're not, you're not alone and he is gonna carry, carry you through that. So today we've been talking about friendship, marriage, and curling irons. Yes. You'll probably never look at them the same way ever again. I know that I certainly won't. <laughs> I will never look at a curling iron the same way again. Yeah. But we had a lot of fun in this session and I think that one of the takeaways is the way that we're, we're raised to see affection and action. The way that we, we see our parents' marriage has such an impact on us in, in all different yes. kinds of ways. And mom and dad, if you're watching right now, I love you. And I just want to say in front of the world, thank you for modeling the kind of marriage that actually made me excited to get married someday because you guys did and you still do. You're best friends, you love each other, and just you live out your faith in such an authentic way that it made me excited to find a, a spouse of my own. And I'm so thrilled that I found somebody that is my best friend and, and I just love doing life with you so much. But parents, I wanna challenge you 
to have the kind of marriage, you know, gross out your kids every now and then by, yeah. by getting a little too affectionate in the kitchen and kissing <laughs> on each other too much. We gross out our middle schooler pretty much every single I think day. So. <laughs> but then he kind of smirks, and I think in the back of his mind, he's thinking, someday I want something like that. But I think as parents, sometimes we, we take the other extreme and we're like, we can't show affection. We certainly can't talk about things like sex. And our kids see two parents that are just sort of coexisting as right. roommates in the same house. And it makes these kids grow up, and now there's a generation of kids who don't even want to get married. And I think part of the reason why is because they've seen their parents not necessarily have a very affectionate marriage, and then they think, well, if that's what marriage is, I'm not sure that I want it. That's right. I mean, there should be playfulness in marriage. You know, flirt with each other. I don't know why, you know, we can be in the dating phase of our relationship, and we flirt all day long, and then all of a sudden you're married, you have kids, and there's like no flirting to be found. That's not at all how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to keep on chasing each other, keep on pursuing one another, and there should be a passion there. And so I think it should be evident, you know, in, in our relationship and just our day-to-day lives, and it makes marriage fun. It really keeps the friendship going. Going. And, and there is, you know, just like we've talked about in, in today's session, friendship and sex, they really go hand in hand and they make for a better marriage. That's right. Like two wings on the same bird. That's you right. really do need both. So we want to leave you guys with a challenge, which is to prioritize both the friendship and the sexual intimacy in your marriage. And you might look at those two things as being disconnected, but we're convinced they're like two wings on the same bird and you need both for your marriage to soar. If you're a parent, we also wanna challenge you to continue to prioritize your marriage, the friendship, the sexual intimacy, the fun in your marriage, even while your kids are little. Don't put that on hold or else you're gonna end up with an empty nest and an empty marriage someday. Strive to have the kind of marriage that makes your kids excited to be married. And I'm thanking you, mom and dad, for doing that for me. It meant the world. That's right. So if you want more information on this, please, please go to marriagetoday.com. There's some great resources there. And also check out more videos like this one on Facebook and YouTube. We'll see you next time. This is Brent Evans with Marriage Today. And I want to thank you for listening to the Marriage Today podcast. We believe your marriage has a 100% chance of success if you do it God's way. If you enjoyed today's teaching and want to keep learning, subscribe to the Marriage Today podcast and take some time to leave us a review. Your reviews help us spread the word and can encourage someone else in need.